Our scripture reading from God's holy word this morning is taken from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 14. So Joab, the son of Zeruiah, perceived that the king's heart was concerned about Absalom. And Joab sent to Tekoa and brought from there a wise woman and said to her, Please pretend to be a mourner and put on mourning apparel. Do not anoint yourself with oil, but act like a woman who has been mourning a long time for the dead. Go to the king and speak to him in this manner. So Joab put the words in her mouth. And when the woman of Tekoa spoke to the king, she fell on her face to the ground and prostrated herself and said, Help, O king. Then the king said to her, What troubles you? And she answered, Indeed, I am a widow. My husband is dead. Now your maidservant had two sons, and the two fought with each other in the field, and there was no one to part them, but the one struck the other and killed him. And now the whole family has risen up against your maidservant, and they said, Deliver him who struck his brother, that we may execute him for the life of his brother whom he killed, and we will destroy the heir also. So they would extinguish my ember that is left, and leave to my husband neither name nor remnant on the earth. Then the king said to the woman, Go to your house, and I will give orders concerning you. And the woman of Tekoa said to the king, My lord, O king, let the iniquity be on me and on my father's house, and the king in his throne be guiltless. So the king said, Whoever says anything to you, bring him to me, and he shall not touch you any more. Then she said, Please let the king remember the Lord your God, and do not permit the avenger of blood to destroy any more, lest they destroy my son. And he said, As the Lord lives, not one hair of your son shall fall to the ground. Therefore the woman said, Please let your maidservant speak another word to my lord the king. And he said, Say on. So the woman said, Why then have you schemed such a thing against the people of God? For the king speaks of this thing as one who is guilty, in that the king does not bring his banished one home again. For we will surely die and become like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Yet God does not take away a life, but he devises means so that the banished ones are not expelled from him. Now, therefore, I have come to speak of this thing to my lord, the king, because the people have made me afraid. And your maidservant said, I will now speak to the king. It may be that the king will perform the request of his maidservant. For the king will hear and deliver his maidservant from the hand of the man who would destroy me and my son together from the inheritance of God." Your maidservant said, The word of my lord the king will now be comforting, for as the angel of God, so is my lord the king in discerning good and evil. And may the Lord your God be with you. Then the king answered and said to the woman, Please do not hide from me anything that I ask you. And the woman said, Please let my lord the king speak. So the king said, Is this the hand of Joab with you in all this? And the woman answered and said, 
As you live, my lord the king, no one can turn to the right hand or to the left from anything that my lord the king has spoken. For your servant Joab commanded me, and he put all these words in the mouth of your maidservant. To bring about this change of affairs, your servant Joab has done this thing. But my lord is wise according to the wisdom of the angel of God, to know everything that is in the earth. And the king said to Joab, All right, I have granted this thing. Go, therefore, bring back the young man Absalom. Then Joab fell to the ground on his face and bowed himself and thanked the king. And Joab said, Today your servant knows that I have found favor in your sight, my lord the king, in that the king has fulfilled the request of his servant. So Joab arose and went to Geshur and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And the king said, Let him return to his own house, but do not let him see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house, but he did not see the king's face. Now in all Israel there was no one who was praised as much as Absalom for his good looks. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. And when he cut the hair of his head, at the end of every year he cut it because it was heavy on him, When he cut it, he weighed the hair of his head at two hundred shekels, according to the king's standard. To Absalom were born three sons and one daughter, whose name was Tamar. She was a woman of beautiful appearance. And Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem, but did not see the king's face. Therefore Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king, but he would not come to him. And when he sent again the second time, he would not come. So he said to his servants, See, Joab's field is near mine, and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. And Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab arose and came to Absalom's house and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? And Absalom answered Joab, Look, I sent to you, saying, Come here, so that I may send you to the king, to say, Why have I come from Jeshur? It would be better for me to be there still. Now, therefore, let me see the king's face. But if there is iniquity in me, let him execute me. So Joab went to the king and told him. And when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king. Then the king kissed Absalom. This is the word of the Lord. It's also a difficult passage to preach from because it's hard to know exactly why the Spirit of God wants us to know all these details. Um, It strikes me that it's leading up to why Absalom will be free to do what he does next, and so... In a very real sense, we're just kind of getting a foundation. But if you are looking for a a deeper reason for the Spirit to have revealed this, it's hard to get by the fact that if the story stopped here, it would sound very positive. Uh, Joab has done something evil, but we can kind of understand it because he is in fact avenging someone who has been terribly wronged, uh, if the book of Second Samuel ended here, it would be, well, David's house has come to reproachment, and that's good. The, the line is going to be more stable. 
but we know that's not going to happen. We know that everything's going to go down in bloodshed, and Joab is ultimately going to kill Absalom, and because he kills Absalom, David is going to tell his son Solomon, now, I couldn't kill him, but I want you to kill Joab, and that will happen. So all sorts of dark things are going to take place, but if the story ended here, it'd sound very positive. Well, I think there is a lesson in that. Joab has no particular divine motivation, no thus saith the Lord, to be doing what he is doing. It seems like a good idea to Joab, and it's not particularly a bad thing that he is doing. He is attempting to bring about reproachment. He is trying to heal the house of his master, but he is acting on his own. And it seems like a good idea at the time. And if you applied the, the strictures of human logic to it, if you applied the, the authority of human reason to it, you would say, this seems like a good idea. But God hasn't told him to do this. This is human effort, and it's going to end up being utterly disastrous. I think that there is, there is a, a message in that. When we, when we act on our own, when we don't have a divine command, when we think that we can fix something, uh, and we act just of our own initiative, there is no necessary promise from God he will bless that. And Joab's action leads to Absalom's action, setting the field on fire. You're beginning to see a lot of people acting on their own initiative to do what they want to get done, and that's going to snowball. It's going to snowball into how Absalom begins to deal with his problems. It's going to snowball into literally a civil war. But it starts with all the best intentions. But God hadn't spoken. There is a, a certain... Well, God did speak one thing. He said, peace will never return to your house. So this is part of that prophecy. But in the short run here, God hadn't told him to do anything. Uh, there is a certain patience of the saints that we often don't hear preached on. God calls us to serve him, but to serve him at his word, at his command. It is possible to run ahead of God, and I think the argument can be made that Joab is doing that, although it seems like a very good idea to him.